And I asked the Lord, I said, let them be pretty like their mother, like their mother and be funny like me. So they'll have a good life. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 16. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, and Romans chapter 10. Mark 16 and Romans 10. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. Y'all need to bring your Bibles too. All right. Mark 16, verse 15. And Jesus said unto his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Underline the word preach. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Yes, you are the light of the world, but light doesn't speak. There was a bumper sticker that was out several years ago, and it gained a lot of popularity, and I didn't like it at all. It said, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. The gospel is a message. It's not your kindness. The gospel is not your goodness. The gospel is not your disposition. The gospel is not you being generous. The gospel is the message of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the propitiation for our sins. Preach the gospel. Well, he was talking to the 12 disciples. No, he was talking to his disciples who happened to be in a grouping of 12 there. You're a disciple. Preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Romans 10, 13. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You'll hear people say, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You may not be a good one. A preacher is not someone that gets paid to talk on Sunday. A preacher is someone that speaks forth the message of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a substitution for our sins. How will they hear? And we need to go ahead and shatter this one illusion before we ever get to the message this morning. You living such a moral or good or kind life will never redeem a life. They just like you. And do you know why it's easier for us to show fruit and share our faith instead of sharing the gospel. People say, I just shared my faith, which means I tell them what the Lord did for me. The reason we share our faith instead of sharing the gospel is because people don't reject you for telling your story. But when we share the gospel, it puts light on dark places. It brings issues to the forefront. And sadly... We often care more about being liked in the workplace or being accepted in the workplace than we do if those people will be accepted in heaven. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they believe in one whom they've not heard about? And how shall they preach except they be sent? 
Well, you're sent. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. It's intimidating to share the gospel. No one likes to be rejected. No one likes to hear, well, what, who, who makes you think you're so holy? No one likes to be, uh, cast their pearls before swine and then be devoured by someone in their own sin and the anger from that life. The Bible says, if you catch a fool in his folly, it's the same thing as taking a cub from a mama bear. True debt. If you've ever tried to tell someone, you shouldn't, what, like Paul told, he said, you shouldn't have your uh, brother's wife, he told King Herod. He said, what? You, you shouldn't have your brother's wife. Cost him his head. No one likes to confront, and if you do like to confront people with their condition, you're probably not the one the Lord wants preaching the gospel anyway. But for all of us, most of us, it's an intimidating thing to share the gospel because we feel inept or inadequate or, well, I don't have it all together. The mailman doesn't have to have it all together to give the mail to the right house. And you're responsible. You're responsible today. So without an answer, how often do you preach the gospel? How often do you tell someone the story? This morning, I want to give you just an easy way to do it. Now, I don't know that I'll continue next week on this. I might get into some questions that people ask. But you, it's not a formula. See, you have to know what the gospel is. And it's not a formula. It's not one piece to a missing puzzle. It's not... Uh, part of a pathway to God. It's a message, and if you tell it clearly, it has enough power in itself. And God's Spirit anoints the story. And it's not you. It's not your countenance. It's not how articulate you are. It's the power of God unto salvation. The message of the cross may be foolishness to some, but if you tell it, God says, I'll put my Spirit with it, and I'll quicken their life. Lives aren't quickened when I tell them necessarily how great changes have happened in my life and how I used to do that and I don't do that no more. They go, well, that's wonderful. But if you tell them the story. And so I want to give you this morning um, some ways to approach it. And I'm probably going to put on our Christ Chapel webpage. Would you like the notes to this as well? I'll put that on our webpage. And uh, let's just pray. Father... Over the next few moments, I just ask you to give me the ability to communicate truth. I'm asking you to help me teach this morning. Most Sunday mornings, I preach, and I'm looking to change their mind about something. But I want to give tools this morning, Lord. I want to make it so clear that they could sit down with a friend in the break room and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for this opportunity that's mine. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to see people taking notes this morning, okay? Number one, everyone is guilty. I'm going to go ahead and give you the four, and then I'm going to talk to you about it. Number one, everyone is guilty. Number two, everyone is lost. Everyone is lost. Number three, everyone is loved. And number four, Everyone can be forgiven. The first thing you need to do when sharing with people 
is you need, however the conversation segues into it, you need to ask them about spiritual things. What do you believe? What do you believe about the hereafter? What do you believe about uh, what happens after you die? And the truth is, if they believe nothing happens, you can tell them, you know, well, you don't have anything to base that on. You've never been. So if you say, I don't have anything to base mine on, I, I, I'm basing mine upon the Word of God. And here's the premise. All of us are guilty. Romans 5.12. This is one of the verses. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You tell them we're all sinners by birth. Ever since Adam sinned, he passed sin down to his children. Sin entered the world through one person. So before you ever get to the issue of their sins, you say, you understand that in the same way if a parent had AIDS and passed their AIDS on to their children and passed the AIDS on to their children, so it is in the spiritual realm. And tell them the story of Adam. And Adam, when he transgressed, he and Eve, they passed sin, which is the disconnect, the falling short of the glory of God. They were separated from God through their sinfulness. It was passed on to us. All of us are sinners by birth. Well, I don't believe little children are sinners. Put them in a play box and see. A sandbox. One of them hit one of them over the head with a Tonka truck just to get what they want. We're all sinners by birth. And here's the second one. No one has a right standing before God. Romans 3.10 as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Show them in the Bible. None righteous. And group yourself there. I'm not righteous. I, I did not have a right standing with God because of the sin I inherited from Adam, which was evidenced by the sins that I committed. People get hung up on the sins, plural, that they commit. That's not the issue. That's the evidence. The sins that you and I commit, and put yourself in the soup with them. Share the things that you've done outside of the will of God. That is evidence that God's declaration over me of me being a sinner is true. I did not become a sinner because of the sins I committed. I committed those sins because I am a sinner. There is none righteous. No, not one. And then I, you can ask them, who's the most righteous person you know of? And you'll hear, you know, Mother Teresa... Billy Graham, well, God's Word says no, none. And let them see themselves with you and Mother Teresa and Billy Graham grouped together, no. For if you've sinned in one component of the law, which the Bible was not written to show you primarily how to live, it was, it was to show you that you had sinned. Because we did not know we had sinned unless the law told us not to covet. And then once we coveted, we realized, oh, I'm a sinner. All of us have sinned. None righteous. So once they see this grouping, there's an awareness of sinfulness and sin. And here's the issue. The modern day church doesn't use the word sin anymore. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Won't you let God love you? How can I be forgiven of something I've not been convicted of? There must be an awareness of sin and sins for there to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit which brings me to a confession of these things. I must know that I'm grouped with those that are separated from God. And there is none righteous. Let them see it in the Bible. None. And tell them that means me and you. None of us. 
And the result of our sin is death. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The proof that we are sinners. You see this gray hair right here? How can you not see it? <laughs> this whole side here. Anybody else got any that you've earned besides me? You've earned yours? Okay. Evidence that I'm a sinner. How can you say that? I'm dying. My physical body is dying. The wages of sin is death. When we were born, we were dying the day we were born. Our spiritual man was dead in trespasses and sins. And our natural man was dying as well because the, the sin sentence. It's like you were born out of the womb. Guilty. Stamped. Guilty. And you explain to him, this is proof because I'm an eternal being and I don't live forever. Because I'm dying. God gives us age as a grace. He's just, and you tell him, he's giving you time. Time to acknowledge your condition. Because see, my estimation of myself is irrelevant. And tell them, your estimation of me is irrelevant. But God's estimation of me is what counts because I'm not going to stand before you and I'm not going to stand before me. I'm going to stand before God. And we need to see, we need to understand that we are sinners Evidenced by our sins. And we're not righteous, which means right standing with God. And we're dying, which is the further proof that I am who God says I am. We're guilty. So if you can imagine a courtroom and you're talking to him and you go before the judge and the judge has already pronounced your guilt, there's really no hope. And then before they get too subtle and say, but that's not, that's not the whole gospel. That, and some will say, yeah, that's all I ever heard in church. Oh, that, that's, that's just the part that gets you ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. See, we're guiltier than we ever thought we were. And we're way loved more than we ever thought we were loved too. Well, I was getting, getting ahead of myself. Okay, everyone is lost. You need to explain to them their lostness. They said, you are separated from God because of your sins. Your sins, your sin nature has separated you from God. Listen to this. In Romans 3.11, there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Everyone's gone out of the way. They're altogether become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Not only are we guilty, we've settled that, but we're lost. Tell them to go in their Bible to Luke chapter 15. This is one of my favorite evangelistic tools. And I've done this long enough now that I don't have to have a Bible in front of me. I can just tell the story. When Jesus got ready to explain the kingdom to people, he said, and by the kingdom I mean his interaction with fallen humanity. He said, it's like a shepherd that a sheep wanders away and it's lost. And the shepherd will leave the 99 and go looking for the one until he's found it. And he will put it upon his shoulders and bring it home with much rejoicing. It's like a woman that lost a coin that was an inheritance coin. It was something she could retire on, really. And when she lost it, she pulled all the furniture out of the house and uh, put it all outside and swept every corner until she found it. And when she found it, there was great rejoicing among her friends and family. And then there's the story of the prodigal son who, having all that the father had, asked him for his part of the inheritance. He left his father 
and went off in a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. And then a famine arose. And he found himself in want and he was dying with hunger. And one day he just came to himself and said, My father's servants have bread enough to spare and here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house. And I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned before heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired help. And he said, Hired help? You are mine. And he kissed him and he put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and a robe around him and said, This is my son that was once lost and now found. He was once lost. The sheep was once lost and it's now found. The coin was once lost and now found. The prodigal was once lost and now found. And don't be as animated when you're talking to your friends as I am with you. I'm just real excited. You know, talk to them normal. Uh, and then you can say, now, let's just look at this. I use words like this when I'm talking to people that aren't believers. I said, just if the Word of God is true. <gasps> How can you say that? Because they're not sure it is. I know it's true. But I said, just if. And you'll see walls go down when you say it that way. Just if. If God says this is how it is between me and you. There's some of you like the sheep that are lost. And you know you're lost. But you don't know how to get back home. There's some of you like the coin. You're lost. And you don't know how to get back. And there's some like the prodigal. That was lost. And knew how to get back. But he just hadn't sunk low enough. If you were to put yourself if you were to describe yourself as one of these, which would you pick? And I've had people tell me with kind of a straight face, I guess the coin because I don't think I'm lost. I said, fair enough, fair enough, the coin. I'm, I'm like the sheep. I, some, I know something's missing, John. I don't know how to, there's so many religions and people clamoring uh, this is truth, this is truth. I don't know what's right. I don't know how to get back. I said, fair enough. So the sheep, that closely describes you, yes. And then you'll get to the one that says, oh, I'm the prodigal. I was raised in church, Granny's church and then Mama's church, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, training union, <laughs> Friday prayer. I was, and I've just been away so long that, you know, I'm definitely the prodigal. Then you say, well, if you're the coin and you don't know you're lost, how would a coin have the cognitive ability to know it's lost? And they say, it can't. That's why salvation's impossible unless God quickens you and makes you aware. And God only quickens people with awareness that He's planning on saving. And if the Word of God is true, God will just have to find you, won't he? Yeah. Because coins don't look for the owner. No. Are you looking for God? No. Okay. Fair enough. So God will just have to find you. Yeah. So the sheep. I don't know how to get back. So unless God finds you and brings you back, you want him to get you, don't you? Yeah. I just don't know how. Well, if the word is true, he wants you to know that he'll find you. And he's coming for you. As a matter of fact, and I've used this several times, 
He, he said he would leave all of us in our church service on Sunday to come looking for you. So if the coin story isn't you, do you see that he found the coin? Yes. And if the sheep story fits you, do you see he found the sheep? Yes. And what was the owner's reaction when he found them? He was really happy. Yeah. Happier than the sheep ever was. Happier than the coin ever was. And then someone would say, yeah, but he didn't go looking for the prodigal. No, he didn't. He waited on the prodigal. And for the prodigal, you tell him, yeah, God's not going to insult your intelligence. You knew how to leave and you know how to get back. You need to repent. And you need to turn around and go home. And what was the father's reaction when you're talking to the prodigal? Well, no, just what does it say? Well, before he could ever start repenting, the father fell on his neck and kissed him all over. And every time he tried to repent, Father, I've sinned before heaven, and again, and just kissed him. And he said, my son is home. And he threw a robe around him and put a ring on his finger, and he said, let the party begin. So God's waiting at the gate, not violating your free will, and the Bible says, and show him the part where it said, and he saw him from afar off. So why wasn't the man tending to business? Why wasn't the man out buying lands and properties or doing accounting? Because you are the most important thing in the story. Everyone is lost. But God's coming for you. That's what I tell him. And then I ask them, was there any part of these three stories where he didn't find what he was looking for? And they'll go, uh-uh. I said, you're in trouble. And they'll start to smile. And I told some people this. I said, you don't even know it yet. But I said, have you ever been fishing? I go, yeah. You ever, you ever hooked that fish and he wasn't too big and you used to see him come across the top of the water with a big rapala in his lip and he just dragging him across the top of the water? I said, your hook is right here and God's about to do this. But it ain't going to hurt you. He's going to bring you in. See, lostness connects with guilt. What you need people to see is their hopelessness without God. And I'll tell them, I can't help you. I can, I can pray for you till I die. I can't help you. There's no help for you. Now, what? There's no help. For you. Salvation's of the Lord. It's not of your will it's not of my will. Only God can quicken you to where you are. Only God can quicken you to who you are. And only God can quicken you to what he has for you. Only God can do that. So you have to work out your own salvation. We make the mistake because we don't want them to feel bad. Guilt and conviction feels bad. You just don't do the convicting. You don't do the guilt. That's got to settle in so there can be a desperation so they can call upon the name of the Lord. It's not just, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll pray. Where do I sign? That doesn't mean someone's converted. Well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe. So does the devil. The devil believes that Christ is the Son of God. What we need is the work of the Holy Spirit quickening that spirit man that brings them to life and they're born again. And you can't be born again without a conviction of sin and a desperate cry unto God. And when those two things happen, it's like the seed uh, hitting the womb and there's conception. 
everyone is guilty. Everyone is lost. And then this is the point where I find God's spirit really connects. The, the second point, when you talk about lostness, their eyes will just widen and people will get it. God wrote it in such a way that anyone can get that. The coin doesn't know it's lost. The sheep knows it's lost but don't know how to get back home. And the prodigal's lost, knows he's lost, knows how to get back home, but just hasn't hit bottom yet. And then you tell them everyone is loved. Herein is the love of God, 1 John 4. Not that you love God, but that God loved you and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for your sins. God loved you before the foundation of the earth was laid. God loved you in your sin, Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. I use this illustration often. I'll say, do you have any kids? They go either like yes or yes, I do. You have any teenagers? <gasps> yes. When your teenager's really, really mad and they want to play their aces against you, what do they say? Oh, the thing that will hurt you most. You don't love me. You've never loved me. I think I'm adopted. You don't love me. Or you love my brother more than me, of course. But you know, and all of us have done that. And kids, teenagers, the parents that tell you, I never talk to my mother like that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not those exact words, but yeah, we drove our parents crazy too. Yeah. We're reaping today is what we're doing. But they'll say things like, you don't love me. Do you know why? It's the base part of it. First of all, it's the wound. But the, here's the big one. If you don't love me, I don't know you love back. That can justify my behavior. And when I'm sharing the gospel, I said, you know why it's so hard for you to accept the fact that God loves you? Because if he does, why don't you love him back? God planned on your forgiveness before the earth was created. Why is there so much evil in the world? Why doesn't God intervene? Because he gave you free choice. And free choice means people choose evil. And knowing that when he gave you free choice, we would choose evil. He planned on a redemptive plan. His plan was a redemptive plan to bring you back by your own will to him so that your love for him was not robotic. God did not make you a robot so you would say, I love the Lord, thank you God. No, you have choice. He knew you would sin, but he loved you in your sin and God commended his love towards you and that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Do you see in this portion, when you read it out of Romans, he didn't wait for you to get it together. Just like you are. Then tell them your stories. Tell them your stories. I bet I've told mine a thousand times. Lost, undone ungodly, raised in a preacher's home, wayward in my 20s. I remember one morning at Mercer, waking up by my motorcycle at 10 in the morning. I don't know how I got there. Drove the night before, completely intoxicated. Could have killed myself, could have killed someone else. I had no idea. I woke up, there was dew all over me, and it's not funny. I was just bordering on dying and going to hell, but by His great grace... And I said, after I got saved, I remembered that time. And I felt the Lord tell me one day, he said, you remember that morning on the motorcycle? Where you woke up beside it? Helmet, I'm just in a little circle, holding my helmet. I said, yeah, yeah, Lord, I remember. My angels kept you. 
because you would have went into a Christless eternity. Oh, how I love you, John. See, his love preserves you. And you tell him your story and they say, and he's kept you. And then you relate their stories. See, you don't just walk up to a stranger. I mean, you can, but it doesn't work. You've got to share the love of God. They've got to see your countenance. They have to see the living testimony and hear your story and the way his love preserved me. Do you remember a couple years ago when you told me you had that cancer and they didn't give you much hope and you lived? And they say, yeah, he preserved you. God loves you, cares for you. And there's something about hearing it from the mouth of someone that believes it. It melts their heart. The radio song can do it, but... I don't find people getting saved that way. I know people, we can give out tracts. I've never met anybody saved that way. And if they were saved that way, they had a grandmother or a mother or someone that had that relational contact that communicated the love of God to them. Tell them how much. Tell them. You're guilty and you're lost, but you are so loved. Give them the story of purchasing a house. A house is worth is not determined by appraisal alone. It is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And God paid for your sins with the brutal crucifixion of his son Jesus. That's how valuable you are. Heaven's best for you. And then finally, you tell them everyone can be forgiven. Everyone can be forgiven. Because God is orchestrating your life to bring you to himself. John 6, says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. When you show him these verses, say, Did you know the Lord's drawing you? And this may sound silly to you, but I use the Star Trek thing in my generation. People my age remember, say, You remember the tractor beam? They like, Scotty, I need more power, man. Tractor beam. And it's, they'd put it on a Klingon warship and it, whoop, it'd just pull it to them. It did. And I said, the Bible says that you can't come to God, but he's pulling you towards him. And I'll have them say stuff like, everywhere I turn up, there, I'm meeting some preacher or some Christian. I said, yeah, that's the tractor beam. God's working on you. I can't get away from it. Tractor beam. I had dreams, but I don't even sleep good anymore. Tractor beam. And you tell them, you, you don't have to be all serious, but the truth, you can't compromise the truth. God's wooing you because you couldn't come if he didn't do it. See, you don't just decide on your own. Great grace is on your life for him to be dealing with you like that. And if he's got his tractor beam on you, you're dead in the water. Tell him. I don't even, it don't matter. You're, you're dead in the water. Read my lips. The, the hook has been set. God is pursuing you. Tell him. Everyone can be forgiven. Every lost coin. By the time the truth hits them, that's how you know they're elect. Lost coin, found. Lost sheep, found. Prodigal, found. And God is looking for you. He's either looking for you or waiting for you, but he's going to get you. God is waiting on you like the prodigal son. God has invited you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I asked them to read it to me. What does it say? And they said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, all I have is one question. Are you a whosoever? Are there any exceptions here? Are there any exclusions? Any exceptions? Any exclusions? Whosoever. So a, a drunkard like me. A drunkard. Whosoever. 
if you know them personally and you're by yourself, bring the thing up in love. People that have killed a child in their womb can find grace. People that were molested can find grace. People who did the molesting can find grace. Whosoever. I've sat with people by myself and I've said that word over and over. Whosoever. And I watched it rain on them like a physical rain on their soul. And they just tremble. I said, whosoever. That's you. That's you. If our musician would come, please. Whosoever. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord. No exceptions. No exclusions. God never withholds grace from those who ask. This is one of my favorite verses. And I always ask them to read it to me. John 6, 37. Whoever comes to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast them out, or I will never turn away from them. No one likes to be rejected. Do y'all ever remember, any of y'all ever used to go clubbing or something like that, and you walk up somewhere, well, hello, and they go, not, and walk off or something. You go, I'll check with you later, you know. Some of us, I didn't have game when I had game, you know. <laughs> Even when I had it, I didn't have it. No one likes rejection. That's why, you know, a lot of the beautiful girls are rarely asked out. Everybody thinks they go out every Friday, but they're not asked out. So, teenagers, swing for the fences. Ask the prettiest girl out, the prettiest one. Because you may, you know, she may tell you yes. And I'll tell them stories like, no one likes to be rejected. And I sure didn't want to be rejected by God. And he said, if you come to me, I will never tell you no. It's a lock. And I let the words just hang. And I say, so? What are you going to do? You call the question not by, if you were to die right now, do you know if you'd spend your life in heaven? They got to have the backstory, man. Thief on the cross didn't know anything about heaven and all of the other things that were revealed in the New Testament. He just knew he was guilty and he hung there naked. He said, I'm guilty of the things that I've done, but he's not guilty. That's the innocent one. That's the lamb. Remember me. I'm calling on your name. And he said, today, it's already done. It's already done. Grace hit your life, exploded on the scene of your life. And this was the Father's plan all along. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the condemnation that Christ came into the world to save sinners and he was rejected. And I'll tell him like, you and I don't have a chance. We're lost. We're unrighteous. We're so loved. We're so loved. And you're just this close to being forgiven. Would you like to pray and ask God to forgive you? You know what the most common reaction I get is? I don't know how to pray. I say, good, because I don't either. That's what I tell them. So how do you ask somebody to forgive you? I said, I'll give you an example. God, if you're real. Because you're not really convinced he's real, are you? And I said, uh-uh. But if you're real, I see myself as the coin, the sheep, whatever. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And while they start praying, I watch the birth happen. The water breaks. They come out. 
gasping for air. They don't, they don't have to pray your prayer after you. If you tell them the gospel, their spirit is quickened and they're made alive. Some people are saved and don't know how it happened until months later. And they'll be hearing a story and they'll hear a sermon. They go, oh, that's what, that's what happened. Yeah. But you got to share it, man. You got to share your faith. I just wonder if there's anybody here today that's a lost coin. Didn't know you were lost. Or a lost sheep. You're away from God. And you want God to come get you. Or a prodigal that's just had your fill of the world. And you say, I'm coming back to God today. Is there anybody that would like to pray that? You don't have to get up. Just slip your hand and say, I'm praying today, John. One of those three. God bless you. God, God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. Will y'all pray with me today? And ask the Lord to put in your heart what it means to preach the gospel. You don't preach it every moment to every person, but ask God to show you the person in the right time and to anoint you to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. The hour is late, the night is far spent, and they're still not saved. We got to tell them something besides just where we go to church and them to see the big change in our life and think we're great. They need to think you're great. Show us how, Lord, to be evangelist, to share the good news. Four simple things, God. Everyone's guilty, everyone's lost, everyone's loved, and everyone can be forgiven. I'm asking you to bring a whosoever into their life. Help them bring someone to faith. By the power of your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, could I have your attention for just a moment, y'all? I need to shift gears. And please don't think I'm making light of what the Lord did, because I haven't. But something equally as powerful has been happening next door. And... um, We are preaching and teaching the Word of God to children every week, right around 90 to 100 kids. And I told them a couple months ago that if they had 110 kids, I said, you can't do it. You can't do it. I'll let y'all pie me to no end. And in 18 years, I'm not this guy that dresses up the stage every week and got on a costume and, you know, dropping in from the rafter. They can't. Well, I just found out they got 110 kids. So... I can't hear you. They're going to do it next week? Oh, they're going to pie me next week. Whew, good. I got a week. So next week I'm getting like 15 pies to the face or something. Are they showing the video this week? Or is that next week too? Okay. Y'all do me a favor next week. When they come in, really celebrate with them. And here's the good news to this. 110 kids hearing about the Lord Jesus. 110 kids hearing about the Lord Jesus next door. Chad, if you start. Good. I got just a minute more. Can I talk to you just a minute more? My time's not all the way up. Listen. Ask the Lord who it is. Ask the Lord who it is. You're not looking to come just pull someone up. Lifestyle evangelism. 
If you haven't heard nothing else, lifestyle evangelism. Who is it, Lord? Be their friend. Listen to their stories. Listen to their curse words if they curse. and Just be their friend. Listen to them. Love them. Let them see the difference in you. But you earn an audience through how you are. Your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness. See, if you're the light of the world, let me tell you what light does. You know what these lights do? They illuminate this area so you can navigate it safely. And if you're light in the workplace, they can follow you to Jesus. That's what light is. It's not loud. It's not Q-beam in somebody's eye, hitting them over here with a Bible. That blinds people. Just turn it down, but be light. Be soft. Share your, share, listen to them, listen to them, and then there'll come the moment. If you're praying, Lord, show me when, show me when, show me when. And then you'll say, can I tell you my story? Tell them some of the things that you came out of, what you've come through. I'm telling you, I've told it so many times, July 6, 86, I've never regretted a day of my decisions. Last thing I want to tell you this, that story of the gospel, there's such anointing on it, you can stammer through the whole thing and I've seen them be born again. Preach the word, man. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone more than one, someone is going to stand in that day and said, Jesus, this is the one that led me to you. And you get to say, yup, yup, for the glory of the Lamb of God. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.